Hi, I'm Chelsea. And I'm Chris. And we are first-time parents. We are a mid-20s couple living on the east side of Seattle in Washington State. Our baby was born in the spring of 2020, and we are learning how to become parents while continuing our lives of outdoor adventure and home renovations. So come listen to our journey as we learn how to adapt parenting into our lives. Hello, welcome back to our show. We are here to talk about more pre-baby things because our baby has not arrived yet. But, you know, we've started parenting in a way before they got here just to prepare for everything. So just an update. Tomorrow, Chelsea will be 39 weeks exactly. Yeah. So we had another midwife visit today. We're doing them every week now because we are so close to the end. So everything's looking healthy and good. And we are getting closer to the end date. Could come any day now. That's pretty exciting. So first, we're going to talk about having a baby during coronavirus quarantine. Um, I'm, everybody knows, you know, what that is and the limitations that, you know, are put into place. Um, so obviously, we have minimal access to stores. Um, most of the um, doctor visits need to be by telemed. Um, there are limitations on birth support. Um, limitations on family visits. So basically our family was supposed to come uh, travel to see us and our baby. They live across the country, um, but they were going to come right after um, the baby was born. But now things are kind of delayed because, you know, you can't be together during coronavirus. So that'll get delayed at least a month or so um, until we can see them. So it'll just be Chris and I until you know, until they can come. Um, and the birth support, a lot of hospitals are actually limiting who can come to a birth. They're, um, you know, not allowing either doulas or sometimes not allowing the partners or any extra family members. So sometimes, um, you know, people are having to put up with that and it's pretty crazy, but luckily our birth center is allowing us to have up to three people still. So that's, you know, just as many as we need. Uh, I'll have Chris and our doula with me. And then, you know, me as the birthing mom doesn't count as a person. So we could have someone else if we wanted to. Um, and then in like preparation for handling that, I think basically we're just going to continue like ordering things online when we need supplies. Um, whatever that is, whether it's like clothes or different, you know, products or, um, personal care things for like me or the baby. So I like, I feel confident that we'll be able to get everything we need, but I know like a lot of people would worry in this scenario and are worrying if they're having new kids just because you don't really know what you're going to need until something happens, you know, when the baby starts needing something and you can't just run out to the store because all the stores aren't open. It definitely changes, you know, how you access it all. Right. Yeah, that's right. So another way we've uh, kind of begun our parenting in a way is choosing our newborn medical treatments. So there's uh, a lot of different options or some people would consider them mandatory, but really they are options because they are medical treatments after your baby's born. 
So we've opted in and out of some of them, depending. So we are choosing to do a vitamin K shot, which is like exactly what it sounds. It's vitamin K in a really high dose right after birth. And we give this to the baby to decrease chance of them having internal bleeding in the first uh, few days or weeks after birth. It's just really common because the baby is deficient in vitamin K when they're born and there's minimal um, supplementation, you know, there's minimal access to it just by breastfeeding. So actually that is one thing formula does have kind of better on breast milk that they can add vitamin K to the formula that you wouldn't necessarily get from breast milk. Just to build off of that, I thought it was kind of interesting that there are some um, vitamins that will automatically be in breast milk, no matter if the um, the mother like consumes you know, oh, yeah. an excess amount of it or not. Yeah, some of them are independent and some of them are dependent on the mother's diet. And if it's independent, then that means it just pulls from the mother's stores, whether it's from her muscle tissue or fat tissue or wherever it would be stored in the body. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. But yeah, vitamin K is one of the ones that would not be there. Yeah, well, it's like, I guess if the mom ate a big abundance of it in her diet, then it'd be okay. But that's like pretty hard to do. And the reason that they're deficient in it when they're born is because it doesn't cross over the like placenta barrier as well as most of the other vitamins. So yeah, it's just kind of interesting. So that one we're definitely opting in. Um, the eye ointment, it's like antibiotics that they put on baby's eyes. Uh, it's basically to kill gonorrhea on the baby when you have them so that they don't go blind because apparently babies go blind, you know. So it's a really low chance that it would be an issue anyway, um, but they just offer it um, and pretty much try to do it to um, It's almost mandated in hospitals. Like yeah. they act like it's required. Because, you know, it's, it's really for the most part, non-invasive. And so you wouldn't want to take that risk um, of your baby you know, going blind, for, for every baby going blind, just over something as simple as that. So mm -hmm. you might as well just do it. But we're not <clears throat> like we're not. we are opting out because I know that I don't have gonorrhea. So it was like, well, why, you know, interrupt them with something? I'm sure it stings and it's scary coming into the world as it is. So why put stinging stuff in your eyes? So since I know I'm negative for that, we are opting out. Right. Um, Most people aren't, um, you know, as well aware of their, you know, body as <laughs> you are. So. Yeah. Well, I think doctors also make it sound like you should get it, you know, in a different way. Well, luckily our midwives are pretty informative and like I've read and information as well, just to know. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the next thing is vaccines. I think they're, are quite common these days, but then they're also highly debated. There's plenty of parents out there that don't think you should vaccinate your child. Um, but we actually do believe in vaccines and think that they're highly beneficial. So the normal first vaccine a baby would get is hepatitis B, and that can be given directly after birth. But it's uh, we're in a little bit of a tricky situation because our midwives do not do vaccines and our pediatrician that we're going to uh, just stepped out on her own. So she's not in like a overall practice anymore. She practices on her own. So she's still waiting for certification to come through to be able to do vaccines. And of course, coronavirus has slowed that down significantly. 
So she's waiting to see um, kind of like when she'll get that certification. But anyway, um, so our baby won't be getting hepatitis B vaccine right away, but they will get it, I'm hoping around two months um, with like their first round of other vaccines. So either our doctor will get her certification and we'll get it from her, or I just asked her to recommend another place we could go to do that like initial round of vaccines if she doesn't get it in time uh, so that we could start them off. But again, I know that I'm hep B negative. Both of us are. So we're not really worried about them being exposed to it, especially with the quarantine going on. They're not going to get a ton of exposure anyway. So they're definitely not going to get that one from us. So the vaccine isn't, you know, super mandatory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the next one's genetic testing. So our baby will have a little heel prick two times during their first week of life. And that'll test for 30 different genetic disorders that, um, they can tell us a lot, you know, if they have things that I don't know, like specifically what's in that, but they can be either like neurological disorders or like blood problems. Um, so we will learn if they have anything worrisome and maybe we'd be able to treat it on the front end rather than waiting, you know, a really long time mm -hmm. and having it come up later. Um, so yeah, that covers all like the initial newborn treatments that we have heard about or are planning on doing. And then uh, another thing we're going to do is newborn massage. So our doula is actually a licensed massage therapist. And so I've been going to her for prenatal massage, which has been great. And she actually does classes for newborn massage as well. So she'll either teach you one-on-one -on -one, or you can do a class with like a few other new parents. And it's really interesting because um, you think like, you know, why is my baby need a massage? They're not stressed out or whatever, but it can be super beneficial in just improving their sleep or um, as a way to calm them down as like a bedtime ritual to get them ready for that like calm down state and improve their length of time sleeping, which is something we all want to do. And then it can um, relieve things like colic or other just like common problems you see with newborns. So I'm pretty excited to learn, you know, the newborn massage techniques because they're also like so tiny and fragile. You, you know, you don't dig into them with your whole palms or whatever knuckles like you might on your partner or something. So I think that'll be a fun, interesting thing. Yeah. So next we were going to talk a little bit about how we've prepared so far um, for our baby. Um, so pretty much as of today, um, we have uh, both of our car seats already installed uh, in both of our vehicles. Um, our nursery and house really is uh, completed um, to the level that we wanted to have it accomplished by. Um, and the nursery is all stocked with wipes and clothes and diapers and all kinds Lots of good of stuff there. Yeah. I think we said in our last episode that we bought a new house during my second trimester. So we had like pretty lofty goals and luckily we got through the first round and got the house, you know, out of a state of construction and, you know, the nursery's all set up. So that was like really nice to finally like hit that part. We just did like mm -hmm. a few weeks ago where it's like everything's set up, you know, we have a, our couch and our TV, which was like a long time coming yeah. and things just like took a little time to come together because we invested in a lot of projects. Yeah. So part of the um, long-term construction, the house is um, 
built in 1977. So it just had baseboard heat when we moved in. And so uh, Chelsea and I are really particular about um, heat and humidity, and it's particularly hard for us to sleep um, when it's really humid. And so uh, or hot. not that we would experience a ton of that where we live right now, um, but we just really didn't want to deal with it at all. And uh, baseboard heaters are, are kind of inefficient by today's standards. I know they used to be viewed as really efficient, you know, as far as heat transfer many years ago. But as of today, they're really not that efficient. And so we installed a full climate control system in our house ourselves. Um, it's a ductless uh, mini split heat pump system with two control heads. Um, and so basically with the house the way it is now with our open floor plan, um, the one control head blows, you know, climate controlled air, you know, through our uh, secondary living space and then down the hallways to our bedrooms. And then the first control head um, has climate control through our main living space, which is also where our kitchen is. So uh, really with the goal for that being that it'd be easier for us to sleep, but also more importantly, then we would avoid having like a hot and stuffy nursery trying to put down, you know, baby for a nap. And they're definitely not going to want to sleep if it's all hot and stuffy in their room either. So we're just trying to, to mitigate problems down the line. And so I think that was well worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely in agreement. And uh, it also added air conditioning to the house when we didn't have that before. Right. So it's like on many levels, you know, to decrease the humidity that's really high around here and just like have overall climate control. And yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about your breastfeeding station? Yeah. So our doula came over just to kind of like start us off with like birthing methods and everything, give us some things to practice. And she actually suggested I set up a place that I would breastfeed normally and have like a little basket of things there that, you know, would be helpful or just beneficial or, you know, just little luxuries to have if I'm stuck in one place breastfeeding for a long time, because that kind of happens in the beginning. So we have this big chair bean bag thing on the floor in our front or like secondary living space, little front room. So it's kind of funny. It's called a love sack, like the pillow sack version, if you've heard of them. It's basically as big as a twin bed but it looks like a gigantic dog bed. Like it's a really big bean bag. Yeah. Just, but it's filled with foam. It's like this really durable foam mm -hmm. and you can morph it into different shapes. So you have one or two people sitting on it, depending on like what shape it's in. Yeah. And you can get different decorative covers for it. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just an aesthetic piece of furniture that is also really comfortable too. <laughs> yeah. So basically we've had this thing for years. It's, it lasts forever. But we had just gotten a new cover. It's like white and furry, fluffy kind of. And we had it in the room that we were talking to her in. And she went, wow, that looks like a great breastfeeding chair. Like you can just hang out. You can maneuver it so it's supportive. Because as a new mom, it's like can be pretty hard to get in the right position for breastfeeding. Whether you're, you know, like craning your neck in a weird way. Or you have to hold your arm up to hold the baby up. And it can just be really difficult to find a comfortable position. So she saw the chair and thought like, that'd be a great spot. You know, you can relax, you can fall asleep while you're feeding them, like super comfortable. And I went like, yeah, I love sitting in already. Like I work from, if I'm working from home, I sit there a lot and it's just really comfortable to read a book or take a nap or whatever. So 
I uh, took advantage of that and kind of planned for it to be one of my main breastfeeding spots. And so I like got a little basket and put um, our extra cloth diaper inserts as like burp cloths. Uh, so we have a bunch of those there. I have like the breast soothy pads, um, the regular breast pads that like collect extra milk, some nipple butters, Fun breast magazine. pumps. Yeah, yeah, extra magazine there. Probably get some more of those little reading material in case the kid falls asleep. So yeah, so I set up this whole station and then probably after birth, um, they say to, you know, keep like snacks, make sure you have your water nearby. So maybe we'll add some of that in. But yeah, I'm like pretty excited because I have this whole little station set up that'll be super cozy and like I'll be happy to sit there for hours a day rather than just feeling like I'm isolated and miserable. Yeah. So uh, another thing that we've done to prepare is um, Chelsea had started meal prepping freezer meals, um, which, you know, it's pretty common for after you have a baby, but so we, we have that in the bag now. We have a couple of those. Yes. Yeah. So that's been good. Um, I think a lot of people do like meal trains because, you know, I guess people want to help you out when you have a new baby. So they plan for all different people to like bring them over meals every day. But, uh, you know, there's not many people coming in contact with anybody these days with coronavirus. Yeah. So, so that's not really an option. yeah. But on top of that, I'm pretty particular about what we eat anyway and like the quality of food and the types of foods. So I was happy to like prepare <laughs> at least some freezer meals so that like Chris would have relatively quicker already assembled things to start cooking. And then, you know, that would be like, all right, here's dinner all set up in a bag. You just have to put it in the crock pot or put it in the oven and it becomes like a lot more straightforward for that like first week or so. Mm-hmm. And then finally for the, the prep section, um, we got baby swaddles and we learned how to wrap the baby in them, um, the correct way. And so that looks super fun and we can't wait to try that out. Yeah. I'm excited. We got, uh, swaddle me and Ollie swaddles. So that was, um, things recommended from taking care of babies. And we didn't, I didn't really think we needed them cause I thought you could just use the muslin blanket blankets, but she said in her, little training course, like you should get like a Velcro or zipper, zipper swaddle. So I kind of made an effort to get some of them. So we have a number of different baby carriers um, that are designed for different times in their lives. Um, mostly for the first one to two years, but we have about five different carriers um, and most of them were gifted to us, but a couple were um, on our baby registry. So they were gifts, which is super nice. Uh, my favorite one in particular uh, won't be able to be used um, until a little bit later in life for them. I think like 10 months. 10 months. Um, but I call it the dad chariot because <laughs> it kind of looks like you just sit like a bleacher, like up above on your shoulders. And then the, so the baby sits up there, but they're fully supported and the legs are strapped in so they can't fall out or do anything crazy like that. Um, but it's supposed to take all the strain off of your back and put it on top of your shoulders. So it's supposed to be the most manageable way to walk around with a toddler on you. Yeah. So it's called the mini Mies. I think it's from like Scandinavia or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mini M-E-I-S. And yeah, it's cool because it like, you know, straps them in, keeps them safe. And yeah, they like 
seem to be pretty happy in all the commercials. So I hope our kid likes it too. Yeah. Uh, so the other carriers we got are, well, some are more so for newborn time. So I have a Sully wrap, uh, which is cool because it's one of the like thinner, almost like a stretchy t-shirt material and a wrap. So I think that'll be great because our baby's due in May. So it'll be pretty warm around here, you know, going into summer. And I'm already pretty hot-blooded as it is. So I'm happy to have like a thinner material one that uh, we can just wear around the house or take on walks and be able to carry our tiny little newborn around in that. Uh, we also have a ring sling and then a couple ones of the carriers that are more like straps and like a place to put the baby uh kind of like the ergo baby but they're like off brands like other versions of that so i think those would be pretty useful especially if chris has trouble like wrapping the wraps for the newborn time those you just adjust the straps and you like put the baby in and you're good to go so yeah so we're actually not buying a stroller at least to start, um, we're hoping to just do like the whole baby wearing thing instead of using a stroller. We'll see how that works out for us. Yeah. Hopefully we'll like it. <clears throat> so uh, we also got, I got kind of like a little gift for myself for pregnancy, um, something called the M-Pack. So it's by Emily Strom. And I got the MPAC Wander, and I'm planning to use that as our diaper bag. So it has, like, plenty of space to put, you know, all the different needs, whether it's, you know, the diapers, the snacks, toys, extra clothes, like, all the things you need, you know, when you're going out with your baby. But then it also is, like, it's, so it's a backpack, not, like, a shoulder bag or anything. It's a backpack. And it also converts to a weight training bag. So it comes with two reservoirs that hold some water or you could put sand in them um so you like fill them up and then you put the reservoir in instead of all the other stuff like you do have to empty your bag first but yeah you put the reservoir in and then you can use it as like a lifting bag it has handles on all sides of it so you can use it as just like a carrying like carrying extra weight you know if you're going on like a weighted hike or you can use it for different types of like barbell or kettlebell moves so I'm pretty excited about that because it is like a good thing. You can do outdoor workouts really easily, you know, just take this bag into your backyard and kind of throw it around and have something to strength train when, you know, you're like short on time or space it makes it super easy. So I'm pretty excited that mm -hmm. I got to have this new fancy backpack and it'll be multifunction. And it looks cool too. Yeah, definitely nice looking. Yeah. So, sorry if you can hear our dogs playing in the background, trying to make them stop playing. Yeah, they're a little playing. sneezy today. They're kind of crazy. They keep playing with each other. And so, that's what I was going to talk about next, is introducing our new baby to our dogs, who are both relatively young and definitely extremely needy. <laughs> so, uh, the yeah. number one tip that we've been hearing um, from people to tell us how to introduce them is to take a cloth that the baby has been wrapped in and give it to the dogs first um, to share the scent, obviously. But, um, you know, it just seemed like a really good idea. So we're definitely yeah, going to do that. Dogs are so big on smell. Yeah. Um, we're definitely going to introduce them one at a time, um, one dog at a time. Yeah. We do um, have medium-sized dogs. They're like in the like 40 to 50 or so pound range. Yeah. But they're like 
a big handful because they're still young and really playful and rambunctious. So we'd kind of rather do one at a time just to, you know, let them each form their own separate opinion instead of possibly influencing the other one by meeting them together. Yeah. So one of our dogs is really territorial and um, always has a lot to say. And the other dog is just overly rambunctious and playful. And so, you know, we kind of have a little bit of nervousness about each one of them for different reasons, as yeah. you can imagine. Um, so I'll, I'd probably tend towards doing the, the super rambunctious, playful one first and just try to have her be as calm as possible um, before we do the other dog. But um, yeah, one thing that's definitely going to help us out is that we have very clear boundaries between humans and dogs. Um, so for example, our dogs are not allowed on our furniture and they're not allowed in our bed. Um, so that should be a pretty clear indication um, to them that this child is like above them because we're planning on co-sleeping. Um, so the baby will be in our bed. We have a king size bed. So, you know, we're two, you know, medium sized people. So we really shouldn't have much trouble fitting all three of us in there comfortably. Oh, yeah. But um, the dogs will still be in their dog beds on the floor at the foot of our beds. So I think that'll really be helpful in um, introducing our dogs to the new baby for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to see how it goes because some people express worry, but I more so think that the dogs will just become protective of the baby once they kind of like learn who they are and learn, you know, like what they're like. And I think they'll form a really cool as the baby starts crawling and walking and talking and I think it'll be like a really exciting process to see how they react and everything for sure yeah it should be a lot of fun yeah so yeah I'm not too worried I think I think they'll do okay it'll just be new and different for them yeah and so that's when the baby gate will really come in handy that we have set up on the the nursery doorway because it'll keep the dogs out of the nursery when oh, they're trying yeah. to sleep yeah yeah definitely and rambunctious one will go in there and just be looking to play the whole time so yeah keep her out of there yeah they'll definitely have to learn those that there's sleep time in the middle of the day now not just at night yeah <laughs> uh, funny but i think that's pretty much it guys so yeah. thanks very much for listening and we'll keep you updated with another podcast um you know, maybe another one before the baby comes, maybe not. You know, we're, we're expecting really any day now. Yeah. So it would be pretty excited if they came sooner rather than later. But, you know, you never know what happens. Yeah, exactly. Could go either way. All right. Thanks for listening. See ya.